bits and pretzels inspire you. You will figure it out. This is clearly the place to be. Servus, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Bits and Pretzels podcast. I'm Britta Wedling, your Bits and Pretzels podcast host, and I welcome you to the show. If you guys had to name one company that during the current coronavirus crisis quickly became an essential part of all of our lives, it would very likely have been Zoom. Due to the need for social distancing measures, Zoom has grown exponentially almost overnight within the last couple of months with customers ranging from startups to schools to governmental institutions. And today's guest is at the center of all of this, Harry Mosley, Chief Information Officer at Zoom. And in our conversation, Harry shared how the video communication platform was able to serve the accelerating demand and what founders can learn from Zoom's rapid growth story, as well as the strategy of how to deal with related challenges, including security issues. Harry Mosley, thank you so much for joining us today. No, thank you, Brita. It's uh, wonderful to be with you. It's obviously a very interesting time for your company. Everybody is following Zoom's amazing ride over the last couple of months with the current pandemic and all the entrepreneurs in our audience, obviously very, very interested in learning more about the strategy that you put into the companies, how you experienced the last couple of months, the last couple of weeks. Um, and we are very, very uh, interested in learning uh, some more about that. Zoom is clearly one of the winners uh, during the current pandemic times. The price for your stock has multiplied by eight, stock prices up by 400% and usage exploded um, on your platform from 10 million daily users in December 2019 to 300 million in April. That's what you can call scaling incredibly fast. And it also sounds clearly as if, if it was a huge task for Zoom's chief information officer, which uh, you are. What, what did you do to meet all this new demand on the platform? Yeah, so um, well, thank you uh, on all those wonderful metrics. Yes, it has been a hell of a journey over the last uh, 10 months or so. So um, I think that, you know, sort of when you look at that, look at that increase in those metrics, as you just noted, it's testimony to the fact of how the architecture really scaled incredibly well. Because whilst we grew like that, we also managed to maintain Our service levels at 4.9, our high customer satisfaction scores, our high net promoter scores. But it did take an awful lot of um, uh, upgrading in the back end as well. So we mm -hmm. uh, were constantly upgrading our 19 colo data centers around the world and increasing network capacity okay. as, well, as well as innovating. So it was... Um, You know, sort of uh, uh, putting putting new engines on the plane while you're at sort of thirty five thousand feet, so to speak. Right. So, so, but you know, you know, think about the situation of entrepreneurs, of engineers in our audience. You know, people in the early stages of of, of a startup, so, and, and talk about really like the experience. You know, when you were sitting there looking at these numbers, obviously the whole world was. I don't know, going into the home office, everything was changing very, very rapidly, very, very fast. You were in the middle of this booming, hot Silicon Valley company. All these numbers came in. What was your first thought when you, you know, saw that demand Don't rising? Don't panic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, you gotta, sometimes, you, you know, it's like I learned that much earlier in my career is not to panic. Um, 
it's a uh, very, you know, it's important. And we have a culture at Zoom, which is, you know, sort of what's the problem, what's the root cause, what's the solution, take it, you know, right. and taking a deep breath so that you can sort of see things clearly. Because uh, if you just sort of run at these um, run at these problems without thinking clearly, understanding the unintended consequences, etc. And we had some of those. I mean, you know, sort of we decided to open up the platform to uh, give it away to schools and elementary schools uh, so that our children can get educated because uh, we saw schools shutting down. Yeah, uh, we didn't realize, you know, sort of what the unintended consequences of that was going to bring from a capacity perspective, a demand perspective, mm-hmm. a load perspective. You know, we had to put um, uh, put teams on sort of educating, you know, teachers how to teach because teaching mm-hmm. in a distributed environment is dramatically different to teaching in a classroom. You know, learning in a distributed environment is dramatically different. Plus right. the fact that schools didn't have, you know, the technology teams that the enterprises have. Uh, and so there was a, you know, there was a, a lot of demand on an awful lot of people around the company. Right. How is hiring? In the, I mean, you must have had to hire a lot of people, bring people in all in this environment where you couldn't meet face to face. So how did hiring and, you know, expanding to really, you know, meet this demand? How did this look like? That's a great question. Um, Yes. yes, You know, sort of onboarding people, uh, technically onboarding people is, you know, in in this environment is relatively straightforward, but the culture of onboarding people get, you know, how do you get them integrated into the fabric of your company so that they understand the DNA mm. of this company. Um, that's a bit more of a difficult challenge in the distributed environment. And so, you know, we've been um, working hard at that. We have a fabulous HR team and, you know, so we work hard at uh, communicating to our new hires, having um, uh, open, um, open discussions. We have town halls on a regular basis and things of that nature. But in terms of attracting talent, mm-hmm. um, you know, again, uh, we were very fortunate because our brand was out there. We were, you know, one of the hot tickets, so to speak. Um, a very exciting company, keeping the economy running, you know, around the planet, keeping governments working, keeping our children getting educated. And so uh, we, you know, we attracted an awful lot of talent uh, to the platform, Um which, you know, sort of is, is a double-edged sword because uh, how do you sort of, you know, if you have 100 resumes to look at, that's one thing. If you have 1,000 resumes to look at, that's something else. So, you know, so the numbers are, you know, the numbers were, were quite staggering. And so it took an awful lot of effort by our recruiting team to sort of work through that. And um, But we've been very successful. We're over 3,400 employees now. I've forgotten what the number was when, when we started the year, but I'm sure you could look mm-hmm. that up. Um, and we're continuing to, you know, to grow and to hire uh, on, a, on a global scale. Right. I mean, it's interesting. You know, we at Bits and Pretzels, we obviously also a tech company running a tech conference. We hosted our event just a couple of, two weeks ago, actually, completely virtual. And we kind of developed our own, you know, town halls, meetings, kind of our own things that we did when we were all in the home office. For example, since we are a Bavarian brand, obviously, you know, we had a beer together, a virtual beer together. Uh, is this something, I mean, you know, bringing in all these people, 
under this huge pressure of scaling of demand. And you mentioned, you know, talking to schools, your company also, you know, got a certain new relevance in terms of being like really the infrastructure for companies, infrastructure for, I don't know, governmental institutions, schools, all the related questions around, you know, is it secure? Is it not? So, so, so talk about how you actually work, you know, how you build this, Uh, culture and keep kept everybody on the same goal within your team or in your your responsibility areas creating innovations for the company was it like anything specific that you did like you know having a beer together <laughs> or, or or tea or yeah so uh, absolutely um you know first of all um you know going back to a comment you just made so zoom has gone you know sort of from being a uh, a, a a tool that would be good to have to be coming. It, it's become mission critical. Right. You know, as you just said, it's become right. like infrastructure. It's the, it is the fabric that companies are leveraging. They're running on it uh, on a daily basis. We're now approaching or over, sorry, we're over 3 trillion annualized meeting minutes a year, wow. which is, like, uh, uh, you know, sort of 50% up from where we were in April. Mm. So, so the platform is being uh, used extensively globally. Mm. Uh, yes, we we you know besides running a business, we like to have some fun. So we you know we have uh, coffee hours, we have happy hours, we have yoga classes, uh, all sorts of uh, fun activities, mm-hmm. um, uh, as well as uh, sort of business sessions. You know, we uh, Eric Yuan, our CEO and founder, is a terrific guy. He's very humble very open, likes to connect to the employees. And I think, and I've always believed that uh, as a leader, you need to talk to your employees on a regular basis. So they hear, you know, it's called the tone from the top. I'm sure mm. that's not the first time you've heard that expression, but mm. people say it like it's the tone from the top. And, uh, but if the top isn't sharing the tone, isn't talking to the people, then the tone from the top is, you know, sort of not happening. Um, right. So we do that on a regular basis. We have regular every two weeks town hall questions get asked by every by employees. Every question gets a, gets answered, owned by an executive of the company, and uh, the, you know it's a it's a uh, what Eric has created in this company from a culture perspective is truly something else. It's kind of like there's no stress. Well, there is stress, but there's like. There's no political stress, if you hmm. understand what I'm saying. Um, there's, you know, you don't have to look over your shoulder. Eric, you know, fundamentally believes that uh, if you're not happy, don't come to work that day. Hmm. Uh-huh. And, you know, and you don't need to, you just need to tell your, you know, your manager you're not coming to work because you're not happy. And that's the end of that. Uh, it's not like your doctor pay or anything. Interesting. Even, uh, because he fundamentally believes if if something is bothering you, and coming to work isn't really going to help you mm. and you're not going to do a great job. Mm. Um, and, and that's very much and when you sort of look at the work environment, Brita, now that we're do that we're all working in, it's kind of like, you know, sort of, ha- you know, managing and leading in this environment is dramatically different to managing and leading in the environment we came from. Right. So, uh, you know, in the past people would turn up for work in the office. You'd say, good morning. Yeah, how was your day? How was your evening? How was your weekend, etc. cetera? Um, mm. and, that, and, and that environment led to managing people uh, to get the job done. Um, in the distributed environment, 
you're not managing the people because the people aren't there. Hmm. So you're managing the work and, um, you know, occasionally, you know, sort of, uh, you know, I will get up in the middle, you know, during the, during the morning and take the dog for a walk. And, uh, sometimes I'll get up early in the day and start work so I can take some time in the afternoon and go, you know, go play a game of tennis or something. Hmm. You know, that's the sort of, uh, that's the work environment that we have at zoom, which, um, I think that other companies are starting to take that on as well which is managing the work and not managing the people. Right. What does it specifically mean? I mean, specifically for you or your position, you obviously, you know, part of your job is coming up with innovations, new idea, being creative. And when people talk about video calls, uh, Zoom calls, they often talk about, yeah, it's, you know, you can exchange information, but it's really hard to brainstorm over a Zoom call. It's really hard, you know, to be creative because it's obviously hard to read people, hard to see their emotions. People talk about Zoom fatigue, which I know you have a specific opinion about. But what's important if you wanted to, you know, build innovation in such a fast-growing environment as you know Zoom is right now? And how do you manage yeah. to do that? So yeah, so you know what our north star, so to speak, is to uh, um, enable virtual meetings to be more productive than in-person meetings. Mm -hmm. And it's all about efficiency. It's about productivity. You know, if you were watching our keynote on Wednesday morning when Oded was um, uh, uh, presenting the new features and talking about the zaps, so yeah. that if you're in the middle, if you're you know in the middle of a Zoom session, you can open up the agenda right there. You can edit the agenda. People can have joint editing rights. You can, you know, sort of write up the follow-up actions, etc. You've got persistent things like whiteboarding and what have you. So, you know, the uh, um, uh, we get a lot of ideas from our clients, but uh, I think that we're entering new territory now with this hybrid workforce. You know, it's uh, in the past we had changed the office structures so that we had all these open offices, these collaboration spaces, mm -hmm. and they were really cool, you know, with sort of, you know, bright colors and huddle places and coffee lounges and food stations and what have you. Uh, and, and that worked very nicely. Um, uh, you know, it's also nice to collaborate in a virtual environment when everybody is virtual, but mm. in the new world, you know, the, as I characterize it, the next normal, uh, you know, you're going to have a hybrid workforce where people, some people are in the office, some people are working from home. Mm. How do you collaborate across that digital divide? That's going to, you know, that's going to present some interesting challenges from a technology perspective for collaboration and for culture. Yeah. And uh, so we're very much uh, focused and sort of doubling down on, our efforts in that space so that we can enable our, you know, so enable people to collaborate and carry the culture. Forward. Yeah. That, that's really interesting because I used to work, uh, for five years. I was in based in Silicon Valley and I worked for a publication called Handelsblatt. Um, and now I'm back in Germany here in the setup environment. It's interesting because all my friends back in California say, well, you know, I moved out of San Francisco. I'm, you know, back somewhere in Mill Valley in Southern California and work from there. Working from home is basically my default where else here in Germany people 
really, really want to get back into the office. Uh, it's also like a difference in, in, you know, in cultures, how people address this home office situation, working in this hybrid work environment that you just, just mentioned. So how do you prepare for the situation about to move back into the office again and how much of what we've achieved in terms of digitization, hybrid work models, also what you talked about, you know, not leading people, but managing work. How much do you think will stay there, you know, moving forward? First of all, it's like, you know, it's uh, uh, the the notion of going back to the office is really interesting because, (laughs) um, you know, I I can see why, you know, I can fully understand why some people would want to do that. It's like, you know, when my wife and I, when we had, Younger kids, if the kids were home, we would definitely want to go work in the office. Uh, you know, but our, our kids have grown up and, and fled the nest, so to speak. So the only right. person that's home now is me and the dog, which is great. Um, uh, so there's that, there's that perspective. There's the perspective that not everybody, you know, has the physical space to work from home. Right. Uh, so that's a, another reason why people want to go back to the office. But this, uh, and, you know, one, one of the great, you know, one of the uh, largest German companies, Siemens, I'm sure you read that article where they told 140,000 of their employees that, um, I think it is that they can work from home two to three days a week. Did you, right. did you manage to read that article? I'm not sure if you saw it. That's a pretty big statement from a yeah. huge company like that. Yeah. Another interesting data point is if you go back 10 months ago, employees had to get permission about working from home. Think about that. Mm. They actually had to apply for approval to get permission to work from home. Here we are 10 months later. Now employees are having to get permission to go work in the office. Right. Yeah, interesting. Quite fascinating how things have, how much has changed in such a short period yeah. of time. But, you know, the question is always, you know, I, I mentioned that many people would say, well, it's harder to be creative or to brainstorm uh, while you're on a virtual session, be it video or on a phone call. But I do think that, you know, sort of, look, it, you know, the work from home or the work from anywhere model, Rita, doesn't work for everybody. It doesn't work for every role. It doesn't work for every culture. Right. Um, but for many millions of people, it does work for, uh, it can work very effectively for them. Uh-huh. And I think that, you know, sort of when it comes to innovation, especially uh, in things like collaborating across the digital divide, you need to understand what that digital divide is and what the, what the shortcomings of it are so that you can identify the needs and then identify the solutions and then prove they work. Otherwise, you know, you're, um, uh, it, it's hard to, it's hard to sort of imagine the needs if you can't experience the challenge. Um, and I wanted to come back to something that we talked about earlier, which is, you know, your company becoming a utility. And while your company was actually on this epic run and for growth, there were like some security issues. And you mentioned that um, you're now talking about end-to-end encryption. Um, obviously, you know, there were like some issues and vulnerabilities left. Um, and there was like a whole debate around whether Zoom is um, secure or not. Um how could this happen? So, uh, absolutely. When Eric founded Zoom nine years ago, he founded it on five core principles, not necessarily in this, you know, uh, from a priority, but five principles. So one was ease of use. Clearly, that's been done. It's kind of like there's a reason they say Zoom, it just works. Mm. 
you know, reliability, you know, incredible reliability. There's no, I never have any hesitation about joining a Zoom meeting. You just click, click, click the link and off you go. Um, uh, innovation. We've, you know, we've always been a leader in our, in, in this space. Um, yeah, we have, there's lots of followers, but clearly we are a leader. Uh, third is, uh, from a pricing perspective, it's the, you know, it's the cost of a cup of coffee once a week. So not expensive. And then, uh, oh, you know, privacy and security was also an element of the, um, of the principles of what Zoom was founded on. When you look at that mega growth that we went through, that exponential growth that we went through in the first quarter of 2020, you know, it came with a lot of, uh, unintended consequences. Mm. As I mentioned, you know, sort of, you know, schools. So you have a teacher setting up her, you know, his or her class and they send out, a Zoom meeting invitation to, you know, 25 kids for an eighth grade class. And one of the kids decides, oh, I can send, I, you know, I'm going to put this out on Facebook. Right. Why? So that my friends can come to school with me. Right. Well, that's a great idea, you know, uh, but, the, you know, the teacher starts seeing all these people sort of turning up in class. Who are they? Right. And, uh, you know, and, the, and then you had, you know, sort of other kids realizing, oh, I can rename myself so I can call myself Mickey Mouse. All right. Oh, I can share content. Oh, I can share photos. Let me put up a photo of my new puppy. And so you had all of these sorts of things happening. You had Boris from, you know, prime minister of the UK, uh, you know, taking photos of his Zoom screen and then, you know, tweeting it out with his meeting ID number on there. I mean, come cool. On. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Great. So, you know, <laughs> so, you know, people were wondering why people were joining meetings uninvited. Well, you know, right. if you give everybody a key to your house and they turn up in your, in your, you know, in your, in the, the front hall, then don't be surprised. You gave them a key. So, so is this something that you, you should have yeah. explained better? Yes. Uh, and that's why we, so we pivoted the entire company, uh, uh, on April the 1st to yeah. focus on privacy and security. Yeah. Because we did a whole bundle of things. So one, one thing was we took all of the security controls that we had and we put them together under the security shield so that it was right there at the fingertips of people. Second, you know, and as part of that exercise, we also changed the default because, you know, Zoom was built for the enterprise. It was built for organizations with great IT teams mm. who were going to train people and put the right controls in place. But when you go out to schools, not every school in the world has a great, you know, IT team mm. to be able to train people. And also people were, you know, downloading Zoom and turning Zoom on for their companies and their organizations on mass without sort of understanding you know, the, the, the different profiles and setups that they need to do. So we set up defaults, you know, in the education sector, Peter, as an example, we set up the default that nobody can share content and nobody can rename themselves and uh -huh. nobody can chat and everybody goes into the waiting room. Why? Because then the teacher can, you know, see, okay, there's 50 people in the waiting room. Well, I don't have 50 kids in my class. Let me pick the ones that I do have. Um, so we did that. Uh, we also, Uh, uh, created the uh, uh, data center selection tool so you could select which geographic region you wanted your meetings hosted mm. in and uh, data routing uh, 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 upgraded our, our, our portal uh, to show how your calls are being routed around the planet. We also upgraded our encryption to AES-256 GCM as part of our release 5.0. 
And then we also did an acquisition. We acquired yeah. Keybase, which yeah. is a team of cryptographers who helped right. to build out our Docker, our paper around end-to-end encryption, which we're uh, going to be released for technology evaluation next week. And mm. that's going to be the first of its kind, the first true end-to-end encrypted service for the enterprise at size, at scale, that allows you to schedule a meeting which is end-to-end encrypted versus just uh, uh, encrypted right. with uh, normal protocol. So and, and very, I, very exciting. And, and obviously, you know, when you look into the industry, many people and analysts would, you know, say, congrats, Zoom, you really fixed this issue. Um, but, but is there, you know, anything on, you know, looking back uh, over the last couple of months that, you know, you would like to share with entrepreneurs in terms of, you know, how to balance growth versus security. I, I think what happened to us, Brita, was abnormal. We went through this enormous growth that most companies mm-hmm. would love to go through over mm-hmm. two years. If, mm-hmm. we gone, if we had gone through this sort of growth trajectory over a two-year period, we probably wouldn't have had this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the pivot was to accelerate what we needed to do around privacy and security to match up with the growth that was unprecedented. Right. We, we talked about this, you know, Zoom becoming a utility for the economy, for schools, for, for the government. And, you know, you're probably also following this discussion around responsibility of platforms for, for content. There's a huge debate with other platforms in, you know, in the political space, obviously with Twitter and Facebook um, towards, uh, you know, the, the elections. And, I, you know, I don't want to get too politically here, but, you know, how do you look at, you know, re- the responsibility of your platform in, in this discussion? Yeah, so, you know, we abide by all government laws in all countries and uh, the various jurisdictions. And um, we, you know, uh, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a difficult situation in some cases. In other cases, it's pretty straightforward, but we have a terrific uh, privacy team, a terrific legal team, and they keep us on the straight and narrow. So it's, um, uh, it's, uh, you know, we're not a, We, we don't share, you know, sort of, we don't, we're not in the same business as Twitter and Facebook. You know, we're not a marketing company. Mm. We're not, we don't sell ads. We're not, that's not our, that's not who we are. That's, and we have no plans to ever get into things of that nature. So, um, uh, so I think that uh, the, the challenges that they're facing, uh, you know, as you so rightly articulated a moment ago, um, Uh, aren't we? We don't have challenges like that, fortunately. <laughs> right, and 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 also in in the markets right now, I think you know it was like a couple of days into the pandemic when when Google also announced uh, Google Meet. Microsoft obviously is active in the space as well as Slack, and you guys uh, announced uh, a new collaboration uh, with these two services, um, which are you know partners on the one hand, but competitors on the other hand. Um, and you mentioned that he, Gartner just named you the top player around virtual video conferencing calls. The question remains: How do you you know try to differentiate yourself from other services? And I think this is like core of what you do in your department? Yeah, so, you know, again, you know, Zoom has always been a leader in the innovation space. We're thinking out of the box. We're not thinking about where the puck is, thinking about where the puck's going. We're thinking about the challenges of sort of work and how to make it more productive. Um, and we're thinking about the sort of the, the you know, the leveraging AI uh, as an example 
you know, for, you know, detecting spam calls, um, leveraging AI to create better workflow, uh, better work-life balance. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, you know, we do, the way I characterize it, Brita, is this is what we do. And this is all we do when we are not distracted by other things around the peripheral. And so um, uh, it, it's, you know, challenging and uh, you need to remain flexible. You need, you need to re- remain agile. And, you know, sometimes you've got to, you know, sort of do um, uh, unplanned course correction. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if you had set the strategic, you know, as an entrepreneur, if you had set your strategic roadmap to be ABC, and as you're going down that journey, you need to be constantly evaluating that strategic roadmap. Is this still right? You know, do we need to pivot? Do we, what do we need to change? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and so I think that's, uh, super important because, you know, look at what we went through in the last 10 months. Nobody had planned this. Mm. Nobody knew this was coming. And so, you know, there's uh, great examples uh, that I've read about in the last, um, in the last year. So, you know, I'll give you two examples. So one was in a financial services firm. They called us up on Friday and they said at six o'clock in the evening, I might add. And they said, uh, they said, you know, the management committee has decided that we're going to go fully virtual, uh, effective Monday morning. Uh, will, will Zoom be able to support us? Mm. And, you know, our response was, what time Monday morning? You know, 175,000 people around the world were uh, working in a distributed fashion um, by the following Friday. And, you know, in speaking to that organization, on that Friday, um, after we had migrated 175,000 people to our platform, uh, the comment was, if you had said to me three months ago, you could migrate my entire firm globally to Zoom over the course of seven calendar days, I would have said, you're joking. Hmm. It's not possible. That sort of effort would normally take optimistically three months, pessimistically six months but it was done in seven days. That wasn't planned. That was like, we just need to do it. You know, there's another example of uh, one of the essential services. I don't want to mention the name of the company for obvious reasons, but um, uh, they are an essential service in, in the, um, uh, I guess in Europe, you'd call it the DIY. So the do it yourself. So, um, and uh, they started on a digital transformation in January of this year, literally January. They started on their digital transformation. Okay. This is a very yeah European German thing. Uh, so I could totally see that they, you know, start right now. <laughs> yeah, but no, no, no. So, but but the, but the point was in, in February, coronavirus hit and they, and they, uh, and I, I remember talking to the CIO and she said, we had to make a decision do we stop, do we slow down, or do we accelerate? So they decided they were going to stop everything else and and devote their entire resources to that digital transformation. And I, I remember reading their uh, Q2 earnings. They doubled revenue in the first half of the year. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That was, that was not planned. Mm. That was kind of like they just woke up one morning. So you would say... Sorry, I was ahead. talking to another CIO yesterday 
where the where the CEO and was walking down the corridor with him, and he said, "Listen, we need to move everybody to work from home tomorrow morning. Can mm. we do it?" Mm. Right? You know, these it's like you need to be flexible, you need to be agile, you need to harness the moments because sometimes those are fleeting moments. They can come and go so fast. Mm. So you need to be on the watch for that. Now it's time to move over to our Bavarian beer garden break uh, on our Bavarian beer bench. Since, you know, don't love, this is a Bavarian conference, obviously, and we want to bring at least some of the Oktoberfest spirit to our audience, even virtually. Oktoberfest obviously did not happen, uh, unfortunately, hopefully next year. And this is a part where we enjoy virtually a zip of gold, good old Bavarian beer to loosen our tongue and talk about more personal stuff so harry what are we drinking to what are we drinking to we're drinking to have you know being uh, uh what are we drinking to i don't know it's like i'm just uh, happy to be alive and um uh, uh i think life is I'm looking forward to the day when we get back to uh, being able to you know sort of do oktoberfest uh in person that's That's what we're drinking to. Cheers to that. Yeah, I think the, I think that would be good. Except hey. it's uh it's it's you know, it's 9.44 a.m. here in New York, so I I think it's a little early for me to start drinking. <laughs> But cheers anyway. Cheers anyway, absolutely. <laughs> If you could have a beer at Oktoberfest with any person, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh my god. Well, I'd love to have a beer with my dad, but he died like 30 years ago. I, I look forward to celebrating Oktoberfest next year. It's like, you know, in, invite me and I'll be there. Great. That would be amazing. So you obviously have had like a very impressive career. Uh, and I want to talk a little bit about your background and how you actually ended up uh, at, at Zoom. Uh, you're obviously the first ever CIO of Zoom. And you came to the organization after a career with multiple financial services organizations, such as Union Bank of Switzerland, Credit Suisse, First Boston and Mantis. From there, you went on you know, to hold CIO posts at Blackstone and KPMG. How did you end up at Zoom and, and what, what, you know, caught your interest there yeah um so um all good questions by the way <laughs> so uh yeah so it's coming up to uh uh three years ago um uh i decided i wanted to retire having worked for uh, sort of north of uh just slightly more than 40 years i graduated college in 1977 And uh, I decided that I'd worked long enough and I'd worked for great companies, as mm. you just mentioned. And, uh, you know, been very fortunate and um, uh, that I could, uh, you know, sort of think about just sort of kicking back and, and retiring. And, uh, and so I did. And then shortly afterwards, I got a call from Zoom that they were looking for a global CIO. And I said, I'm very humbled, but guys, you know, I just retired four days ago. So I'm not ready to <laughs> think about going back to work. Right. And, um, uh, and I knew some of the people there from a prior business transaction I did earlier uh, when I was uh, at one of the other firms. So they knew me and I knew them. And um, 
And then I met Eric and uh, uh, understood his vision uh, for what he wanted to develop as a software company, his vision around UCAS. Uh, and it was true to say um, that, uh, and I had experienced that for 40 years, mm. also, how do we collaborate? It's kind of like we would fly people around the world. It was exhausting. Right. Uh, the tools worked. They just didn't work really well. Mm. Uh, you know, it was a mobile first world. It was a video first world. We we are in a mobile first world and we are in a video first world. But we didn't have, you know, good good tools for from a UCAS perspective that were mobile and video first. And then I looked at the technology architecture and I spoke to some of my industry friends who had spent their entire careers in UCAS. And they, you know, would tell me about why Zoom was different technically and how this was going to be sort of a game changer for the communications industry across the planet. Mm-hmm. And I fully recognize that the need to collaborate locally, nationally and globally, um, uh, uh, just uh, the, the need was there, but it was it was not really satisfied. Right. And then you look at and then you look at the millennials and Gen Z you know, uh, who are, you know, sort of um, one third of the world's population, uh, sorry, uh, one third, one third of the world's population and uh, and how they, you know, they've redefined words like connect and chat. You know, when I grew mm-hmm. up, uh, it's like, you know, chat was I would pick up, you know, a, a device with a wire coming out of it, going to a brick on a, on a desk, <laughs> which had a wire going out of it into the wall. It's called a phone. Nice. And I would use that to chat with my friend down the road. Um, but chat has been redefined as a data communication of words, of images, of video, of audio, um, uh, from a device to numerous people on different devices around the world. So they've redefined what it is to chat. They've redefined what it is to connect. You know, for me, connecting was, you know, sort of meeting somebody, meeting a friend at a bar right. and having a beer. You know, connecting is seeing and hearing people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, communications, as per Professor uh, Albert Moravian, uh, University of L.A., you know, he talks about the analytics of communications, how it's made up of words, tone and body language. Uh, words account for 7%. Tone accounts for 38% and body language accounts for 55%. Mm. Whilst we're having, you know, you and I have had a wonderful conversation this morning, this afternoon for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was made up of words and body, uh, uh, words and tone. Right. We didn't have the experience of the body language. So you can't see my expression. I can't see your expression. I don't know if you're agreeing with me when I'm talking. <laughs> but if I saw you on video and you were nodding, I would know that you're right. agreeing, which means I can go faster. If you were shaking your head, I can see, oh, maybe, maybe, perhaps Peter doesn't agree with me. <laughs> so I should slow down and be more articulate. Right. You know, it's, but, you know, coming from, you know, the position you were in, having worked in these traditional high price industries, you know, what were your expectations joining, you know, a Silicon Valley startup? I mean, come on, that's yeah, like a totally different environment for somebody. I did my own startup, I did my own startup back in uh, 1981. Oh, really? Uh, okay. But uh, I did a startup. Um, Yeah, that was fun. Uh, I I had no idea of what I was getting myself into, full disclosure. Um, 
I, I knew I could help this company. I knew that I would have fun. I knew that we could make a difference to companies. Um, uh, but I didn't realize the journey that I would be fortunate to be a part of over the last two and a half years. I mean, this has been spectacular uh, from all sorts of ways. And, you know, sort of, um, I get sometimes a little emotional about how we are helping the world get through this pandemic, uh, connecting people, um, connect, you know, sort of celebrate milestones of their lives, birthday parties, right. hosting, you know, sort of weddings, People do early in, March, yeah. early in March, it's like uh, the people were outreaching to me. Harry, it's like we have church services. Harry, we've got weddings. It's like, you know, I had all sorts of people reaching out for help. And, uh, you know, and we help them because that's what we do at Zoom. It's kind of, you know, we, 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 were, we were laser focused on helping people connect. That's, that's That was kind of, that was preoccupied us uh, by and large. Right. And, um, it's been uh, it's been a hell of a journey, yeah. When you think about, you know, obviously there's a huge demand right now for your service. Um, when you think about the next technologies and the next trends that would shape, you know, the way communication works, as you described it, like from phones to, to chats, from, you know, one person to one person to one person to many in different countries. How do you figure out that for your service in your position as somebody who's also shaping the next innovation Products. Yeah, I think that, you know, sort of. Um, you know, we haven't. You know, sort of. We're only starting to scratch the surface in leveraging things like AI and machine learning. Yeah. Um, you know, I was reading an article earlier this week about uh, virtual reality and how it's being used for onboarding employees to because you know we're not going to do onboarding. I don't know when onboarding will next ever be in person. So the idea of being able to go into a virtual room where you can see your colleagues, um, not quite touch them, you can't shake hands or hug or things like that, but, you know, so you can create those bump-in moments, so to speak. Um, and then we got IoT, which is, you know, sort of uh, only beginning to scratch the surface too. And we, I think that, I've, I've look, I've, uh, for years, I fundamentally believed that it's always been great to be in technology, but... You know, it, you know, as we as we sit here today, the opportunities um, that technology can enable us with um, mm. are unprecedented, and um, we don't we have no idea of the things that we will be able to achieve as a consequence of uh, these technologies like AI and ML and IoT. I think that they're truly going to, uh, you know, sort of create a uh, a better world for all of us. Um, and a uh, better life for all of us and um, and uh, hopefully help us have a better health and work-life balance as well. One of the AI uh, uh, companies I met with recently, you know, sort of um, what, what they do is they look at the new employees that you're onboarding and um, they will recommend and say, hey, Harry, here's like, you know, sort of out of the latest, uh, uh, you know, onboarding uh, group here's five people i suggest you meet and here's why would you like me to schedule a coffee break with them and you say yes and boom, off we go. yeah so very interesting things like that mm. um in terms of you know sort of your audience 
I would uh, uh, strongly, um, you know, sort of, if you don't love what you do, you're not going to do it well. So you need to love what you do. You need to be passionate about it. You need to be inquisitive about it. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if you're not waking, you know, sort of my attitude is if you're not waking up in the morning being excited about what's in front of you, then trying to sort of start figuring out where do you go from there. So coming to the next part of our podcast, which is our toolbox. Uh, it's a box where our guests share best practices, best advice they find useful for entrepreneurs. What would your three tools be? I think I just shared one of them, which is you know, sort of love what you do. Uh, sort of don't panic. Always think about the problem, fully define the problem, fully understand the root cause and, um, and fully, um, and then go about sort of creating the solution. Um, you know, a lot of people say, you know, sort of fail fast. I don't believe that we, we fail ever. Sometimes we do experiments, they don't work. Mm. So, um, do experiments, um, and, uh, but most importantly it comes back to where I was a moment ago, which is you got to love what you do. You got to have fun at work. We spend way too much time doing it. And if you're not having, if you're not loving it and having fun doing it, you're not going to do it well. The last part of our podcast is our either or game. This is how it works. I give you two words and you have to choose one real quick and tell me why you've made that choice. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I should have a drink for this one. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should do it before maybe we should do it without a drink and then do it with a drink and yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> and the first one is bits or pretzels uh pretzels and why you know i like pretzels they're, they're crunchy and i enjoy them virtual or face to face oh face to face because um it's been so long um Uh, of not being having face to face, uh, and, you know, being able to give a bear hug, uh, shake hands, greet people, uh, really, really missing that. Not just, uh, I would say that's actually, actually, let me, let me re reset that. I would say vert, I, my preference is virtual from a business perspective and face to face from a personal perspective, virtual right. from a business perspective, because it's, The productivity and the efficiency, you know, yesterday morning, I started in Frankfurt. I went from Frankfurt to Tel Aviv to California and ended up in Tokyo last night and, and never left the comfort of my own home. Mm. So fantastic. Um, the face to face, you know, when it's like when my daughter comes to visit, I'd like to give her a bear hug and I can't do that. Um, you know, we can't go see, you know, our son in Zurich. We can't go see our son in California. And so, uh, you know, I miss, I miss, I miss the person, the face to face on the personal side a lot. Speaking or listening? I think that, um, speaking, um, because I believe that over my 40 plus years, I got a lot of, uh, I've gained a lot of knowledge and experience and I, I like to share that and help people be successful. Conquer or compromise? Compromise, because I think conquer is um, 
Uh, I, I think compromise because I think that uh, there's always some middle ground, which um, uh, which is better to achieve than conquering, because conquering can be a little. It's you know it can't you know can't be it can't be my way or the highway. <laughs> Chaos or order? Uh, order. Chaos is very stressful. Tradition or transition? Uh, tradition. Because uh, uh, I like tradition. It's kind of like it's, um, uh, you know, there's a, uh, a level of expectation and there's no surprises. Saving or spending? Well, my wife would say I like spending. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I like to save to spend. Numbers or ideas? Ideas. I like uh, I like ideas. I like coming up with new ideas. I like thinking about sort of different ways of getting things done. Um, so yes, I like uh, ideas. I find ideas are challenging. Challenge the mind. Challenge the brain. Challenge people. Singing in the shower or in the car? Oh, definitely in the shower. I know. No, no one's going to hear me. <laughs> <laughs> Just as well. <laughs> Dreamer or realist? Uh, I think probably uh, realist. Uh, dreaming, yeah, it's that. Uh, it, you know, that's just not real. So it's like it's like a uh, realist. I'm a pra I'm a practic I'm a pra practitioner. At the end of the day, I like practical things. Follow or lead? Lead. Love leading, been leading. It's like I love leading teams. I love leading people. It's like I love helping people be successful. I love seeing seeing people sort of over uh, overcome their um, their challenges and um, and become uh, great leaders themselves. So uh, yeah, so definitely leading. And the last one is obviously very important for us in Bavaria. And I'm asking you that because I know that you have some about your personal background. Guinness or white beer? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, well, um, uh, I used to drink Guinness when I was in college, but uh, I think I would prefer white beer today. <laughs> okay. Harry, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for coming on the Bits and Pots podcast today. Yes, Brito, it was uh, delightful and uh, You owe me an invitation to Oktoberfest next year. Absolutely. Done. Very good. Look forward to it. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. That was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please tell your friends about us and subscribe to our podcast to never miss a new episode again. You'll find us on Spotify, Apple or wherever you're listening. See you next week.